Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next hour or so on the call. 10 stocks that... You've suggested I put it to two experts for their views on those stocks and we do it all in 60 minutes. So it's uh, fast and furious with uh, a lot of information today's panel. Uh, Gary Glover from uh, Novus Capital. Gary, afternoon to you. Hi David, how are you going? All right? Good. Good to have you aboard. And uh, Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Howard, always good to have you here on the call, sir. Uh, how you been Love travelling? How's, what's your view of earnings season at the moment? Oh, well, we only follow a limited number of companies, but so far that they've been absolutely superb. Uh, almost every one of the companies we've reported has done even better than we expected. So it's been a very positive earnings season so far. Yeah, um, um, Gary, shareholders, sort of companies um, hosing shareholders with money at the moment. Aren't they? Sort of some big dividends, special dividends, share buybacks, a lot. Yeah, there is there, but I guess the I guess the one observation I have noticed is that uh, there has been a little bit of uh, like buy the rumor, sell the fact. There has been a little bit of selling into the good news. So yeah. a lot of these companies have had a great run, uh, have a great report, and then sort of gap up, and then then a little bit of selling coming in. So. Just because the valuations are very high here, um, pretty much across the board. So there's going to be a little bit of profit taking. I've, I've noticed in some of the stocks that have reported pretty well, which has been obviously a large part of um, of our market, actually, which which obviously great to see. But definitely when you look at some of the valuations across the board, some big numbers there. So you'd expect to see some profit taking um, into these great results because potentially some of these companies, are, it you know, might be as good as it gets for some of them. So um yeah it should be quite natural to take some property are, are you um um are you looking for a pullback in the markets uh, do you fear that um with what's happening here in america i think if you look at uh if you look for say top 50 stocks in australia look at um the multiples that they've typically traded on for the last 10 years sort of where they're sort of the average pe the lows to the highs for the last decade at the moment, uh, that top 50 is sitting way outside of the the, the normal band. Yeah. So hard to find value here. 
when um, stocks are trading on massive multiples, you know, much higher than they've traded on in the last decade, probably the last two decades. So um, that should make us a little bit wary here, particularly right. with some of the lockdown economic issues, which may, you know, um, you've got to remember the government's thrown a lot of money into the system here, which has sort of propped everything up, kept everyone kicking along. But these, these, you know, if these lockdowns sort of linger a bit longer, some states lock down a bit longer than they should, might, might just have a little bit of an impact on the next earnings season. So um, okay. these high valuations, is, you know, there's just no room to move here, from, in my opinion. So yeah. I'd be a little bit cautious here right now. Yeah. Howard, um, of course, Team Invest invests for the long term as well. Sure. You're, you're not scared of pullbacks. You see uh, pullbacks as, uh, um, and crashes, if you like, as a way of topping up good quality stocks that you're in. Um, so do you go in with a bit of a war chest of cash at the moment? Um, well, as you mentioned, David, there's a huge amount of dividends about to arrive in everybody's bank accounts. So... Uh, our members and team invest are going to be flooded with cash in the next uh, couple of months in the form of dividends, um, which will give them a fair bit of firepower. So if Gary turns out to be right and the share market does come down a bit, uh, it, it would be wonderful. In fact, if it did something like last March and April, um, we'd have a, a lot of extremely excited members abling, you know, enabled to use that dividend money and any other cash they may have at the time to buy great bargains, same as they did in March and April last year. I mean, one of the interesting things about the concept of taking profits that I always find so strange is you find a winner, you sell your winner. It's a bit like selling your best player in your football team. Um, and now you sell the winner. Now what do you do with the money? Um, if the market's high, there's nowhere else to put it. And if you put it in cash, when the interest rates are this low, Cash is an absolute guaranteed capital killer. Um, the average inflation rate from members of our uh, of Team Invest, who tend to be my sort of age group, baby boomer generation mainly, we've got some younger members, but we mainly baby boomers, um, our average inflation is probably close to 5% a year, mainly made up of health costs, which increase so much as you age. So if you put your money in the bank and you get a half a percent interest, and you've got an inflation rate of 5%, you're going to lose somewhere around about 22% uh, over the next five years. Yeah. So cash is a capital killer. So you yeah. want to stay invested in the best businesses with the best management. Right, yep, a really good point. Interesting way of, uh, of looking at things. So um, have your little watch list available of uh, when, you, when you're waiting for a pullback to take advantage of it. Um, look, let's get stuck into it. Stock of the day, I thought we'd have a look at Western Areas, which reported today. Uh, the company reporting a net loss of $7 million as revenue falls by 17%. The company was impacted by lower nickel production due to its uh, unplanned operation issues in the first half of the year, which offset the rise in the price of nickel. It comes after mining magnet Andrew Forrest picked up about 5% stake in the company last week. Forest Moves follows a takeover attempt by Wailu Metals for Canadian nickel miner Norant, uh, putting him up against BHP, which has also lobbed a bid to take over the company. Now, uh, the company, Dan Longer, the, uh, says, the MD says the company was able to overcome uh, the first half challenges to deliver an improved second half earnings. He'll be 
joining us here on Ausbiz uh, just after 1 p.m. Um, Gary, what's your view on the Western areas uh, result and the stock? Yes, obviously you've got the uh, the IGO um, talk as well. So obviously <coughs> there's um, mm. there's mentioned there that um, preliminary talks with uh, with IGO regarding you know, potential takeover there. So obviously this, the share price has jumped here on that uh, corporate activity. So um, the thing that bothers me there, obviously we've had operational issues with the company. Um, so the result is probably not as strong as um, a lot of people are hoping for. The other thing is that the nickel price, if you actually look at the nickel chart, it's actually, um, you know, it's been on a bit of a tear as well. It's like a lot of the commodities. So mm. as, as we've seen with some of these commodities, they're a little um, hot. It's a little bit of a negative there because if, if the nickel price does sort of um, pull back here, then that, that impacts the earnings there. So they just haven't been able to um, prosper in that, um, in that period there. But at the moment, you've got... Um, you know, a little bit of corporate activity going there. So, you know, probably the stock's potentially, you know, seen as a bit of a um, takeover here target. But the um, it's funny that the, the management aren't really sort of talking it down. They're sort of saying that they're open to talk. So that's sort of pushed the price up here a bit. So, yeah, um, yeah just interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, I don't know how you play this one, actually. This, for, for me, it's too hard there just because the price has already jumped. So yep. if they walk away, then the price will come back. Um, mm. And um, so if it does get taken out, it'll probably get taken out at obviously a bit more of a premium. But the fact that it's already jumped quite a bit here would just make me a bit, bit cautious to, right. to to join in here. Yep. Uh, Howard, what's your view on a company like this? Not not something that is generally in Team Invest wheelhouse, a stock like this, is it? No. And in fact, um, from a Team Invest point of view, I mean, we have occasionally had some member mention it. And every time we've looked at it, it's it's always had a wonderful excuse as to why that year wasn't as good as it previously thought it was going to be. It's, it seems to be one of these serial underperformers that's always going to do something well, um, but never seems to get it right. It either suffers from the nickel price being too low or it suffers from an operational issue. So one or the other seems to happen year after year after year after year. So this is a company that in the last 12 or 13 years has re never really made a decent return on the equity tied up of investors in the company. So uh, definitely wouldn't enthuse us. I mean, uh, uh, I can't see anywhere on my graph going all the way back a year where their return on, oh, 2011, they had quite a good return on equity. But that's about it. So uh, a, a definite no from a team invest point of view. Right. Okay. All right, uh, let's uh, start looking at some of the stocks that you suggested I put to the panel. And um, Howard, Ben wants a view on Dubber. Uh, ben says Dubber's getting up there in terms of valuation, but seems to have so much promise over the next five years or so. Um, this is a, a software platform, an IT company, um, and they're in the business of, of call recording and asset um, audio um, asset management, isn't it? Um, and have just um, just raised, uh, I notice, uh, $110 million from institutional investors. Yeah, um, they do seem, I mean, they, what they're doing sounds quite exciting. And they do seem to be very, very good at one thing, and that's raising money. Because looking back at my stats here, and I, it's not a company I follow, so I don't really know terribly much about it. But there were only 7.8 million shares on issue in 2013, 18 million the next year, 57 million the year after, 
80 the year after, 96, 140, 186, and 208 million. In, in, in other words, they seem to have been raising more money every year. So this is a business that actually can't run itself profitably and has to raise money from shareholders in order to pay its wages, its rent, its product development, etc. Now, that's an idea, not a business. And from a team invest point of view, uh, unless this is uh, uh, that, a new uh, iteration of a company that was listed before doing something else, which I don't know, um, not something we'd be the slightest bit interested in because um, it clearly can't make profits. In fact, it's lost, um, from what I can see, about 700% of shareholders' equity uh, over the last 10 years. Mm. Um, Gary, look, uh, share prices rocketed up. They're saying after this this last raise, the money will be used for mergers and acquisition and to speed up product development. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Howard here, actually. I mean, there's uh, the market cap is over a billion now. Um, the last raising is, you say, 110 mil. So insto placement. So, again, don't look after the shareholders. <laughs> and... Um, so the, they're not going to be basically, I mean, their, their forecasts um, are not going to be in the positive earnings until 2023. So that, that loss is probably starting to get smaller. But I don't know, look, the, if you're going to be buying a loss, you know, leading company there, then it's, it's got to be growing pretty quickly. For yeah. me, it's not, it's not really growing that fast here. And then having to go out and buy growth, that's, that's that worries me as well. So... Um, yeah, just a big, big, massive market cap for something that's not making any money. Pretty low margins here so far. So, um, yeah, just not for me. Look, I, I, I love the business, and the, obviously there is growth in the, in what they're doing. Uh, all sounds pretty cool, but, um, but show me the money, and there's there's not much of that there. So, um, I'll stay away, please. Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of big market cap, Sophie, uh, Gary wants a view on Woolworths, and Sophie particularly. On the um, asking for a comment, if they think anything will come of the Uber Eats news, uh, Woolworths um, uh, very recently said they were teaming up with Uber Eats to offer same-hour grocery delivery um, across Australia. They're they're piloting the thing in their Woolworths metro chains at the moment, uh, a dozen locations in in Sydney and Melbourne, um, mainly that. Uh, that inner city area. Um, nifty idea, but Gary, small fry compared with the overall size of Woolworths. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, like the Uber stuff, I mean, I probably, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk about um, Uber struggling to meet demand, obviously, for the restaurants and stuff at the moment. So maybe the daytime can uh, can fill some of those gaps um, for Uber drivers. Maybe that'll that'll attract a few more drivers. But um Look, the problem with Woolworths here, I mean, look, great business. It's going to have a cracking um, uh, earnings number here in the next few days. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, I'm sure they're going to knock it out of the park. But if you look historically at the stock here, I think the stock's traded um, average annual PE between 11.5 and 22 for the last 10 years. That's where it sort of normally sits, sort of that's the, the low end around that 11.5, 12. Expensive is in the high 20s. Currently, we're trading at, uh, you know, over 30 times here. So even the next year's earnings around about 32 times. So, wow, you know, we're, we're pretty, pretty, pretty pricey here. So it's a business that's doing very well because of the circumstances. Um, but you got to look a little bit forward down the track here. 
Um, just just very pricey here. So, you know, I'd, I'd be a seller here. Unfortunately, I, I'm, you know, my, my wife's got a few shares here. She works for the company. So I don't really want to see it go down. Um, I'd love to see it hold here. But the stock's expensive. It's on a massive um, PE at the moment. And um, price for, um, you know, the current growth, which they're going to have. So it's going to be a cracking result. But probably for me, it's sort of probably, you know, probably selling to that good news is probably the smart play here. Mm, okay. Gary? Um, Howard, rather? Yeah, I mean, obviously a, a great business. And uh, as you said, David, and as Gary said as well, I don't think the Uber deal is going to make any significant difference. This is a giant business and the amount of change that Uber will make, uh, assuming it goes ahead, will be relatively small. But it will be something that makes people more comfortable with ordering online and getting deliveries, which probably in the long term is very good for Woolworths. But as Gary pointed out, um, the share price is pretty high at the moment. The P is quite high. Um, and um, although putting it again in perspective of what else you can do with your money if you put it in cash, obviously you could put it in a different company instead. But if you put it in cash, you're going to get somewhere around a half a percent. On a PE ratio of about 32, 33, which it's currently trading on, it's an earnings yield of 3%. So 3%, that's not necessarily a dividend yield. But an earnings yield, it's earning about three and a third cents or three cents for every dollar of shareholders' um, uh, funds in there or, or, or uh, so on. So um, effectively, uh, it's better than cash in the bank, but uh, you could probably find a better place to put your money. I actually have some Woolworths in my super fund, which I've had for years and years and years. It's always been an okay performer. It's never been one of my wealth winners. And it's been overtaken by a lot of other companies that have done better. But it's done well enough that I'm not complaining, particularly if I add in the dividends. OK, because they've returned a fair bit of cash to shareholders, haven't they, by they, splitting off Endeavour Group, which was all their pubs and Dan Murphy's and BWS and things like that, all of their, their non-ethical uh, businesses. And the rationale for that was saying that there are so many overseas institutional investors that would love to invest in Woolworths, except they had all these pubs and poker machines and liquor stores. Now they've hired them off, they'll become in demand for these bigger shareholders overseas. Is that a good enough excuse to see the, the share price yeah. rise in the future? Well, it's probably what's pushed up the share price up till now and pushed them up to a much higher right. PE ratio. Um, but, you know, people are, have been outsourcing the preparation of their food more and more and more and more. As more and more couples have both uh, partners working, um, it's become more and more attractive to buy food semi-prepared or fully prepared instead of preparing it at home. So, for example, you know, you buy cut up vegetables instead of having to cut them yeah. up yourself. You buy packeted leaves instead of buying the, the, the full thing, uh, and so on. And all of those things are considerably more profitable for Woolworths than selling you the plain fresh article unpacketed and uncut. So, and as we move more and more as a society to getting our food prepared, I lived in England 30 odd years ago, and there was more prepared food in the Tesco's there uh, and the Marks and Spencer's than there was when I arrived in Australia. Now we're starting to catch up uh, to the UK now as well. And that's good for their profit margins. 
And the fact that they'll be focusing on one business rather than two, which they had with the liquor and the gambling and the hotels, um, is probably good for them. But as Gary says, I think it's a little expensive at the moment. Right. Uh, I'm happy to keep the ones I've got. I have yeah. no intention of selling them. But uh, probably not a time that I would say Team yeah. Invest members would be buying. You'd want some bad news on Woolworths and then buy. Right. Um, Gary, same with Coles. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive sweet spot for, you know, Woolworths, Coles, even Metcash, which has been the perennial underperformer. I mean, they've, they've hit it out of the park as well here. So, but, you know, look three or six months you know, down the track here when, um, yeah. you know, when the things start to open up here, we're all going to be wanting to go out, out you know, restaurants, bars, um, performances, whatever we can get out to. So we're not going to be sort of, um, you know, ordering in, you know, or, or shopping yep. as, as regularly as, as we are now. I mean, it's it's our, for people who can get out, it's our regular outing. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's to go to your Woolworths. That's, a, that's the one thing you're allowed to do. So um, once once it's, is, once everyone's free to do it, we probably won't do it as, do it as often. That's the human nature. So, uh, but I think once once the economy opens up again, I think the sweet spot that they've had is going to, you know, probably edge back a bit. So, right. you know, they're, they're priced for perfection here at the moment. And then, look, they're going to report really well because that's that's all we're doing. But yep. um, that, that's, a, that's a cycle in itself. So, you yep. know, this is top of the cycle for me. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, our next stock, um, Howard, uh, Rob wants a view on Data3. Um, he's saying, uh, wants your view on the company in 10 years, it's, Return on equity has been over 30% for all but uh, two years. Earnings have grown threefold since 2014. Um, he, he's obviously learned to speak your language, Howard. Uh, the sounds- cream on the cake is it's paid 75 cents in dividends over the 10 years. Uh, recently announced it expects to report another record full-year result. Despite this, share prices tanked. I'm inclined to uh, see this as an opportunity to double down and buy more shares in Data3, but would appreciate your view on it. What do you think? Yeah, in fact, uh, it actually did report a record result. So it has reported a record result. Earnings were up about 8%. And had there not been a chip shortage, earnings would have been up a lot more because there was about, I think it was about $3 million worth of deliveries that were supposed to happen before the 30th of June, but couldn't happen before the 30th of June because of chip shortages and were delivered instead uh, just after the end of the financial year. So they're off to a good start for the new year. So not only was it a record year, almost certainly be another record year this year. Um, I've owned it for a very, very long time. About 60% of their revenue is now recurring revenue, um, where, for instance, uh, Microsoft Office installed on thousands and thousands of computers, and every time it gets renewed, uh, Data 3 gets a little bit of revenue from it, which is why their margins are so low. So um, they, they work on very low margins, but it's absolutely secure business. And even when they install hardware or provide hardware to a big uh, corporate or government purchaser, they only place the order for the hardware after they've got the firm order from the client. Right. So they're not holding any stock. And ditto with things like Microsoft Office. They just providing a key for the license uh, and so on. So um, uh, share prices, you can see, rocketed up in, in 19 and 20. So it's not that surprising that it's come down a bit since then because it really had got up to 
uh, quite stratospheric levels. It's been one of my terrific wealth winners, one of the biggest 10 holdings in my portfolio. Didn't start off that way. It's just done so brilliantly well over the years that it's worked its way up and been a great wealth winner. So, you know, in answer to Rob's question, um, it's uh, somewhere around about the middle of its PE trading range now. So if you could buy it at around about 520, and I picked up some at 510 uh, for one of the uh, charities that I helped run the, their portfolio a little while ago, a uh, couple of months ago. So if you can pick it up at about 520 and you're going to hold it for the long term, great buy. I think this morning it was setting, sitting at about 525 to 530. Uh, 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 you could easily get it at 520 any day. Uh, all it needs is a bit of a down day on the stock market. So yes, Rob, uh, as a long term holder, probably a good idea to buy some every time the market has a negative day about Data 3, which it will have one day in every three or four or so. Um, and that's the time to buy it. Okay. Uh, Gary? Yeah, I mean, look, um, Howard said there, it's a low margin business. That's the, it's, it's interesting there, because obviously you look at the market cap, 816 mil, uh, yet the revenue line, uh, 1.96 billion. So big, big revenue line there going through the business there. But uh, uh, net profit's only about 25 mil, so pretty small sort of profit for uh, massive sort of revenue line. So, but it is a low. It's obviously, you know, it's all about sort of scale here for this business there. But look at look, it's. I think it's okay. I think it's. Um, I'm probably with Howard there. I think I'd be probably wanting to buy a little cheaper. Um, I think it sort of trades on about twenty, about twenty-seven times at the moment. I think twenty-six. Um, forward PE next year. So it is sort of forecast to grow around 21, 22% the next next 12 months and then probably peter off up and 23. So um, look, good good business there. Just probably want to buy it on a, on a lower multiple here, um, ideally just because it is a low margin business still. Yep, okay. So buy on a pull back. Pull back. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Howard there. I think you want to probably buy it in the low fives there. Right, okay. All right, uh, Gary Cameron wants a view on Panoramic Resources, a, uh, a nickel producer, uh, no debt, cash in the bank, according to, to Cameron, uh, offtake signed and sealed, and a booming um, electric vehicle revolution is just starting. It's got a uh, couple of mines in, uh, in Western Australia. Uh, what do you think of Panoramic Resources? Yeah, I think this was uh, recapitalised actually in uh, in May 2020. I think there was a 90 mil cap raise there. Um, they did an insto and renounceable rights issue, and they did it at a really low price of around seven cents. So basically, you almost sort of forced shareholders to uh, to get involved because it was pretty cheap. Um, so I'd, I don't mind that because that sort of um, means keeps keeps the shareholders in the game. They're, they're getting the the discount there, but still the thing. It, it, it's actually had a pretty good run here. It's sort of gone from that sort of seven or eight cents that which got down to there, and it's now up to eighteen. Um, but again, the nickel price has run here as well. Um, all those, a lot of those commodities have run pretty hot, and just starting to show, sort of show some signs of weakness there. So I don't know. This has already gone up quite a lot here already. Um, look, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of the project there, but I just. Um, yeah, I just think it looks like it's probably had a pretty decent run here. So just just be cautious in here. Just think um, yep. nickel price is already pretty hot. So okay. yeah, I'd, I'd just be a bit cautious. Howard? 
Yeah, you know, one of the uh, simple ways you can recognize if a company is a potential wealth winner is you give them money once by buying their shares and they give you money ever after um, in terms of dividends or in terms of growing their share price or both. Um, this is a company, though, that had 292 million shares in 2011. It's now got over 2 billion shares. Wow. It's had several capital raisings along the way. So this is a reverse of a wealth winner. It's a company that instead of you giving the money once and then they give you money every year thereafter, this is a company that keeps coming back for more and asking for more money. You know, it's like Oliver in the in the uh, story by Dickens, uh, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> Except he probably had better cause. So, um, uh, you know, uh, from a point of view of an investor, when you look back in its history, you'd want to avoid a company like this. And nickel miners are now the flavor of the month, of course. It was lithium a year ago. Now it's nickel. And um, there's always a, 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 some uh, mining uh, area or uh, a commodity that everybody's getting very excited about. But very, very few of these ever turn into wealth winners. It's not that none of them do, but this, the hit rate of the ones that do is so low that you usually far better off investing somewhere else. And that's definitely the case from a team invest perspective with this one. Okay. All right. Uh, Howard Louisa wants a view on Viva Leisure. This is the uh, the big health club and um, and fitness gym uh, business. They've got uh, what sort of fifty three franchisees, uh, sixty four outlets uh, around the country. Club Lime is one of their brands. They're they're in a um, bit of dispute with some of their uh, franchisees at the moment over uh, uh, changing the locations of where future growth is going to be. Um, what do you think of Viva Leisure? Of course, gyms hammered during lockdowns. Yeah, and in fact, I ought to disclose I'm actually on the board of a company through the tip group that owns the franchise, master franchise for Australia for Gold's Gyms. So uh, I better tell the viewers that. But uh, looking at this here, um, it's lost money the last two years. Uh, franchising business, if you're in dispute with your franchisees, it's not a good place to be. Um, gyms are not doing terribly well because of lockdown, and we don't know how long it will be before they can open up that thoroughly again. And on the basis of all of those reasons, I'd say um, far better idea to put your money somewhere else. Yep. Um, Gary? Yeah, it's funny. I was sort of looking at some of the recovery trades. There seems opportunities there. Obviously, once we, um, yeah, in, in the US, there that was one of the big moves there last night. Was a lot of the recovery trade was um, was was talked about, but it's, I think you're going to struggle here. I think if you look at the sort of multiples there, uh, earnings, um, yeah, it just doesn't sort of jump just jump out as me an opportunity there. I, I do worry a little bit about um, the the growth of gyms as well. So I just think there might be. I think this might sort of damage the um you know obviously like a lot of people have gone out there and bought a lot of you know because we're all stuck at home and we're all shopping we've bought a lot of you know gym gear and all that, all that <laughs> stuff and people are doing other sort of activities as well which is probably you know might sort of slow the movement back into in the gyms as well so i don't know i just i can't get excited by the viva leisure there the, the multiple doesn't look that um the opportunity doesn't look that outstanding there i mean it's um I think, yeah, you know, I mean, even sort of, you know, if they're looking at um, earnings of around 11.2 cents in 23, that's still about 15 times. And 
the stock was trading about 18 and a half times in 2019. So it's not, not exactly pricing in a big turnaround there. So, yep. you know, if you're going to take this sort of risk, you want to have a big reward at the end of the day. And I just don't see, mm. I see risk and I don't see reward. And, um, yep. and I think you know, I've got concerns about the growth of that company as well. So okay. it's an avoid for me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> particularly if you're trying to rent or buy any gym gear at the moment, there is a long wait as everyone's doing it. <laughs> I ended up, I think, waiting about four weeks for a rower. Uh, to come and I thought, bloody hell, that's so, yeah, um, it is a bit of a thing. Let's just recheck uh, the first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Uh, Western areas are no from Howard and Gary. Uh, Dubra no from both Woolworths. Um, Howard owns them, happy to keep holding them at these levels. Um, Gary says they're pretty well priced at the moment, so uh, he'd be looking at a sell, take your profits. Uh, Data 3. Uh, both Gary and Howard like the company. Uh, Gary would prefer to buy on a pullback rather at these levels because it's pretty expensive. Um, Howard and Team Invest members um, hold Data3 and have for quite some time. And uh, if you want to pick some up around that 520 area, uh, would be pretty good buying. It's pretty close to that at the moment. Uh, Panoramica, no, and Viva Leisure, are no. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Any stock that gets um, unanimous approval from the panel goes into the portfolio. Uh, for the last week, we're about line ball uh, for the month up 2%. And since the 1st of July this financial year, so 1st of the month last month, uh, the portfolio is up 3.36%. Uh, some of the stocks recently added by the panels, Beacon Lighting, Macquarie Telecom, MSL Solutions, Magnus Energy Technology and Telstra. Some of the stocks removed, Janison Education, Virgin Money UK, Link Administration and the Asia Technology Tigers ETF. If you want to see all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And a uh, quick reminder from all of us here at Ausbiz, that now is the time to tell your friends about us. If you refer five friends and they sign up, you'll go into the draw to win one of six prizes in a pool prize pool worth $10,000, including $5,000 in a self-wealth trading account that you can play with and some premium wine from Nepenthe to uh, enter. Use the referral code in your daily COB newsletter and share with your networks. And if you haven't subscribed yet uh, to the Ausbiz platform, go to ausbiz.co forward slash join. And uh, a reminder, any of the, uh, the um, entries close on the 5th of September. All right, let's uh, get into uh, the second half of the call. Uh, Gary, Alexis wants a view on Ampol, particularly after uh, the news yesterday or day before of uh, an offer for Z Energy. Yeah, so interesting movie. Obviously, um, hasn't been a great uh, 12, 18 months there for Ampol. Obviously, um, you know, obviously we're not not flying there. Obviously, you know, fuel not not driving as much as well. So, um, in terms of your numbers there, um, I guess look that there was a sort of net profit in in the line there, but I think uh, a, a bit of that is made up from the federal government sort of fuel support package as well, and that right. that's going to that's going to linger on as well. So obviously it gives them a little bit of a sweetener, looks after the industry as well. 
um, but the numbers are a little a little down here. Um, my, I guess the, the biggest thing here is when you do make a pretty decent size acquisition there, um, it can take a little while for the company to sort of bed that down. So in terms of getting your synergies, um, the synergies sort of um, can can take a bit of a time to um, to be absorbed. And you know, I think with Ampol there, I mean they've they've basically rebranded here recently. So that there's you know as Howard will tell you, there's, there's considerable cost in rebranding. So I, I'm I'm guessing that this will probably be all rebranded again um, if they if they do make the acquisition here. So yeah, I don't know. I just I'm not not really a, a segment that I'm that excited about. And you're always worried if the government's having to sort of prop them up here, I guess, as well at the moment. So um, yeah, so it's a bit probably an avoid for me. I, still, I think the multiple yeah. is still pretty high. So um, yeah. but look, I'm sure they'll come out stronger in the next couple of years, but I think it's. Um, just might take a little while to bed this down here. I, I think probably closer to sort of $22, $23 is probably a better buy. And we're, what are we currently? $26, $27. So, yep, yep. Um, yeah, not for me here. Yeah, because what Gary's referring to, not only do you see them with petrol stations, they're in aviation fuel and they have a refinery as well, which the government is uh, supporting uh, refi- anyone with an re- oil refinery at the moment as a as a national security issue, sort of subsidising some of the pricing. Um, Howard, what do you think of Ampol, particularly after the Z Energy announcement? Yeah, uh, just one thing. Uh, it's not really the government that's supporting them. It's us, the taxpayers. Yeah. <laughs> We're all chipping in to keep this industry going because the industry can't, in fact, manage to run itself all that profitably in Australia. And the reason is very simple. We're a high-wage economy. Now, I'm not against that. I'd much rather live in a high-wage economy than a low-wage economy. So um, it's good to be a high-wage economy. But the trade-off is that anything that requires uh, heavy industrial or manufacturing can always be done cheaper somewhere else if you're a high-wage economy. And when you consider the scale of our uh, number of cars we've got on the road compared to most countries in Asia, you can refine fuel so much cheaper somewhere else. So added to that uh, is the fact, of course, that there's a move now worldwide towards electric cars. And while that's not going to be an overnight avalanche, uh, it's certainly happening. And um, the petrol-driven cars are getting more efficient. But more important than that, um, many of us, our next car almost certainly um, will be electric rather than um, being uh, petrol driven. So none of this is good news for Ampol and Ampol has never been a, a wealth winner uh, when it was before it was rebranded uh, as Caltex. It was always competing against cheaper uh, uh, suppliers who could crack the uh, oil and turn it into petrol and aviation fuel somewhere else in the world. So like Gary, uh, an avoid from anybody around Team Invest, none of us would consider this. Okay. All right, um, Howard, Charlie wants a view on Cochlear. Charlie says, long-time holder of Cochlear. Can I have the expert's opinion? Of course, Cochlear, the uh, uh, bionic ear, one of the, the great medical inventions of the last 50 years, Australian invented, homegrown, something to be really proud of. Of course, affected by COVID when a lot of private hospitals and um, 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 had to closed down because of uh, and prepare for COVID and elective surgeries weren't there. But uh, most recent report um, came back to a bit of a, 
a return to form, increase in revenue, increase profits. Um, what do you think of Cochlear? Yeah, great business uh, for all the reasons you said there, David. And I've owned this for, I don't know, uh, probably 15 years. Done wonderfully well out of it. Um, it's been a true wealth winner in my portfolios as well. And um, I'm sure it will continue being a wealth winner over many years to come. Um, they have been hurt by the reduction in, or cancellation of elective surgery, not just in Australia, but all over the world. Yeah. And we must remember that about 80 to 90 percent, I forget the exact figure, but it's somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of all their cochlear implants are now done outside of Australia, not inside Australia. So it's it's on a global scale, this company, and, um, you know, keeps coming out with improved products, making the hearing better, the control of it better, uh, easier for the audiologist to monitor the uh, patient and so on. So um, I expect it will continue being a wealth winner for many, many years to come. Um, uh, the the, the share price is always uh, quite high. It's always on a pretty high PE ratio. And the only time to really buy into it is when there's some bad news. And every few years, there's something that causes some bad news. There was a court case they were involved in that caused bad news. Some years before that, they had a recall of some of their products. And those are the times to really buy. So if you own it, great business to be in. Don't get out of it. Stick with it. But you do hope periodically that there'll be some bad news in the media um, that will cause the share price to drop dramatically. Uh, and then you can pick it up a lot cheaper. It's a little bit lower now than it was a little while ago, but uh, you certainly wouldn't call Cochlear cheap at the moment. It's on a PE of about, uh, I'll just have a look, PE of about 67, which is a fair bit higher than it averages. But because it's got a noble appeal, what it's doing is so wonderful. Companies with noble purpose always trade at higher PE ratios than companies that are seen okay. to be doing things that aren't so noble. That's interesting. Uh, Gary, what do you think of Cochlear? Yeah, look, great company, great product. But as, as Howard says, the PE is pretty high there. I mean, if you look, uh, if we go back and look 2011 to 2019, uh, pre-COVID there, stock sort of traded between 22 and 41 times. That's probably the, that's the range over the 10 years where it sort of traded within. So we've only, we've basically given what four-year guidance is for was what, 12 to 20 percent uh, profit rise um, the revenue line up 11 percent so just you know the still growth there but not you know not growing at uh, the high rates that maybe has done in the past um, the PL line is pretty good that's that's probably the, the positive there obviously these things can run more profitably um, once they iron a few kinks out there so but the the multiple there I think we're on about 50 times um, next year's earnings so that's pretty high. So if you look at it just from a historical standpoint of view, so as Howard's right here, you, you, this is a stock to buy when um, on, on some bad news and when it gets a bit cheaper. Uh, no surprise to me to see that reaction in the report. Not, not that I think people are probably looking for a bit of a stronger one. Um, it's, it's, it's probably not. It's, it's not a poor reflection of the company result there. Just just for the fact that it's, it's so highly priced, it's really got to knock it out of the park. So if you just if you just sort of knock it three quarters away out of the park, you're going to probably you know, <laughs> see some selling yeah. there. So it's, um, yeah, just, just pretty expensive there. I, I think this is one that, um, I, I, looking at the chart, actually, there's one thing I really don't like about the stock is that um, this, this last rally here over the last sort of year and a half, 
has gone back to retest that 2020 high, which was, I think Feb 20, it was 254.40. And we've just gone to 257. So we've just gone a couple of dollars above the previous high and then failed there. So yeah. technically, when I see price go to a new high and fail and then, then come back, that's that's a, a negative technical pattern. So right. okay. that tells me there could be a bit more selling here. So um, mm. we definitely could see this stock sort of um, pull back from here. Okay, and well, that, maybe that, that creates that the opportunity nice. further. Uh, Gary, yeah. Angelo wants a view on Nabati Group. It's a, it's a fintech and uh, business-to-business payments. Uh, um, it does a lot of the billing and payment systems for, for major corporates. Um, uh, recently did a raise, I think. Um, has a pretty good war chest there, a $40 million placement, share placement. What do you think of Nabati? Yeah, so look, 149 mil market cap. Um, there's still, I see that uh, the revenue line has grown 50% on the the full year, so that's that's obviously great. The revenue line's um, improving there, but still um, still no earnings there. So um, negative earnings in 21, still forecast negative earnings for next year as well. So yeah. uh, as as Howard will say, there's no profit coming through here. It's just these sort of payments, sort of billing there. They're, um, you know, it's it's scale here. They're sort of uh, the margins are so low. So I don't know just just not for me. I think there are better businesses within that within that segment there. Um, this got up to around what seventy seven, seventy eight cents here. So it pulled back quite a bit. So you know, p- people might argue it's had a nice correction there. Maybe it can bounce from here, possibly. Um, but look, there's some growth there. But I just oh, these these businesses don't have enough margin here. I think people um, are flocking into this sort of um, this payment sort of you know, billing area, um, and just enough. You know, there's very, very you know, tight margins there, so it's hard, hard, to, hard to actually make a profit in, in a lot of these businesses. So, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be very cautious there buying into this segment. Okay, um, Howard. Yeah, no, from us. I mean, it's sales have been rising. I mean, they're not very big, but they've been rising. You know, five point four million, eight point four million, eleven million the last three years. But then their losses have been rising which says that they're selling what they're doing for less than they should be selling it because every time they sell more, they lose more money. Now, what a weird business to be in that when you sell more, you lose more money. The idea should be that when you sell more, you make more money. Um, So, uh, you know, as Gary says, uh, obviously their margins are too low. In fact, their margins are really negative, their net margins. And um, one presumes that they can't put their prices up any higher because then their competitors will get the sales instead of them. It's either that or that they being that foolish that they haven't figured out that they should charge more and make a profit. So either way around, the kind of place you don't want to be putting your investing money and team invest members would take one glance at that and say, nah, move on, let's talk about another company. (laughs) Um, Jesse wants to know, would they move on to Qantas? Howard, team of best uh, well, members, saying share price falling again despite the vaccine reward program. Um, just understand, Jesse, that Qantas reports, what's today, Tuesday? They report Thursday, don't they, there? Which is likely to be fairly ugly, naturally. Yeah. Um, you know, airlines are wonderfully useful, and, and um, we've all flown many times, and had it not been for uh, international airlines, uh, I could never have run the kind of businesses that I was running and I probably would never have come to Australia, discovered I loved it and decided to come and live here. 
So uh, I have airlines to thank for many things in my life, but I would never invest in any of them. They, they Selling a commodity in that one airline, much like any other airline, you have your bum in a seat, they serve you some food, and they take you from point A to point B, and huge capital costs. And the combination between huge capital costs and being price takers rather than price makers means it's very hard to make money. And Warren Buffett did some calculations some time back that he reported in one of his annual letters that if you took the entire history of the airline industry, the amount of profit generated by all the airlines around the world put together was negative. So all that billions and billions, trillions by now of dollars that's been put, in, been put into the airline industry and it generated a negative profit. Now, those are the kind of businesses you really don't want to be in. Now, by comparison, Berkshire Hathaway owns some railways. Um, uh, and the difference there is if you own the railway line, you're the only people who can make money between point A and point B, but you don't own the sky. So right. the problem is you fly between point A and point B, and the chances are somebody else flies between point A and point B with an airplane made by the same company, painted in different colors, and with the similar staff and with a similar seat, and hence you've got no pricing advantage, and uh, hence airlines as a whole almost never make money. Yep. So uh, uh, no. definitely <laughs> a no. Um, and Gary, the other issue is some of your competitors are subsidised by their federal by their um, their governments because they want to get people in as tourists to yep. buy other things and and fund their tourist industry. So the margins at the hotel and the restaurants rather than the airline. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, it's it's funny actually how I mentioned that because I I used to think exactly as how things I I stayed away from airlines for a very long time just because they've you know, historically been very unprofitable and they've been yeah. through cycles as well but um a soccer mate of mine a couple of years ago was telling me actually how much money actually is now is made under the seats so actually in oh. freight and um oh, and there's right, a lot yep. a lot more a lot more of the profit component is getting driven um is actually under the what through actually the happens cargo. in the, the yeah the cargo so um to the point where obviously i know um through covid there literally you know Qantas were pulling out the seats um and focusing on the freight there because that's where they're really making a large right. part of the money. So, so the dynamics of the business have definitely changed in recent years, and there's a lot more mm. um, profit being made um, on, on the lower side there, freighting around. And look, we're still obviously I know we're locked down at the moment, so we're all predominantly ordering from our own country there. But still, still a, a lot of produce, a lot of product goes country to country, yep. um, and that'll that'll still be a sort of pretty decent growth area in in the in the um, in the future there. And I think two people were going to be looking at, you know, in the last couple of days, we've seen Qantas actually pop quite a bit. Um, and we've seen the same thing happen overseas as well. People, obviously the UK is opening up. You've been watching the Premier League to see, you know, fans watching the games. Um, they're, they're out and about. You can travel in the UK pretty freely now. Same thing sort of starting to will happen in the US as well. So the, the opening trade is sort of, uh, will probably... Um, be on here soon and I think you're just sort of starting to see that here I, th I think Qantas is probably the one that I'd look at um, within the segment here right. there's a bit of value there look I know that there's 
look, the, the earnings number is going to be pretty ugly. I think there'll be no surprises in that. Um, even next year, the forecast will still be probably still negative. But then, um, but I think there's probably a trade in this rather than, okay. you know, I think it's so, probably 23 before we start making profits again. But um, it could, be, could right. be an opportunity to go long here. Okay. So a buy for Qantas. And just quickly, uh, Gary, uh, Zali wants a view on Aventus, the retail property fund. They're the owner of uh, what they call big box, large format retail centres. They've got about 20 of them. So uh, a REIT, what do you think of Aventus? Yeah, look, it's, it's not bad, The uh, the those sort of large formats. Obviously, got the, you, know, you have your JB Hi-Fi's, your Bunnings, Officeworks, yep. the, the bigger players in there. So, yeah, the... I've, I've seen those um, segments as I think they do quite well. It just this is on about sixteen and a half times the PE. I think it's about sixteen times next year's earnings. So, so it's a little pricey here. But I know this, this. I think one of the reasons the stock's gone up is that there have been. It's a bit of a ramp up story. So obviously they're rolling out, sort of doing more. Yeah. So it's a bit of a growth rate. But I know it's, it's a hard one there. Just not not, not for me, even though. Um, just because just the multiple is pretty heavy, but um, yep. it is heavy because they're rolling it out. You know, the, okay. the, there's a ramp up story behind it. Uh, Howard? Yeah, no, from us. I mean, you, you can't, a wealth winner needs to generate for our members 15 to 20% total return per annum. And um, we find a limited number of companies that can do that. But in order to generate 15 to 20% per annum, you really need some decent return on equity and buying it at the right price. Now, this REIT's got a return on equity of somewhere around about 6 to 7%. Now, if your return on equity, if, if you're only generating 6 to 7 cents on every dollar of shareholder capital, um, for a shareholder to get a wealth-winning return, they have to buy it extraordinarily cheap because yeah. the business is not generating 15 to 20%. It's only generating 6 or 7 So you've got to buy this incredibly cheap if over five years you wanted to generate you 15 to 20% per year times five years. Mm. So um, on that basis, you want to be buying something with such low return on equity at a single-digit PE ratio, and it's not at a single-digit PE ratio, so definitely no for us. Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Always great to catch up. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital, likewise. Thank you, gents. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Recap the final five stocks. Uh, Ampol, a no from both. Cochlear, a hold from Howard. Um, a no from Gary, a bit too pricey. Navati, no. Uh, Qantas, a no from Howard. Doesn't like investing in airlines. Uh, Gary thinks it could be a good investment on an opening up of the economy play. You're seeing airline stocks, particularly in the US and Europe, uh, popping at the moment. And Aventus, a no. If uh, you've got any stocks you'd like to... Uh, Put to the panel, uh, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. All the stocks in the calls portfolio, fantasy portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And don't forget to subscribe to the Ausbiz newsletter. Every afternoon you get a wrap up of the day, what's been happening. Uh, you get Scuddy's view, the close of, uh, link to the close of business podcast and also links to all the most popular interviews and videos on the platform during the day. So you don't miss a thing. Uh, subscribe, ausbiz.co forward slash the CIB.